All right. So now we can actually, uh, we can actually, well, we're going to record something in any case. Episode of Stage One of Surreal Politics today is July 17th, 2023 is the current year. It's a Monday as usual, and we are coming to you not live. We're coming to you pre-recorded because I had a little trouble tonight. Uh, those of you who tried to tune in for the live stream, I should apologize to you. I have apologized to you. I'm just gonna do it again because uh when I don't uh when I don't perform at my peak, I feel bad about it because you guys uh, make the show possible, of course, and uh, that drives me crazy. Had a little bit of trouble uh, with audio delays. My audio and video, first, when I first came on, it was like crackling. There was like a huge audio problem. And then I got it so that the sound was correct, but then it was the audio and the video were out of sync. There was like a half a second delay between the audio and the video, and that uh, looks terrible uh, to people who are trying to watch it. And that's something that I can troubleshoot. It's not the end of the world to do, um, but it's difficult to do when there are, you know, you know, there's 100 people waiting to watch you and you're like, hey, hang on a second while I fix this thing. And it went like 40 minutes of me trying to fix a thing. And so I had to uh, I had to cancel the live broadcast this evening. And I'm very sorry about that because I was looking forward to speaking with all of you. Um, uh, taking your calls is actually like one of my favorite things to do. And so these pre-recorded things, you know, they have their upsides in that I can edit out my mistakes and whatnot, but it's uh, it's far from perfect. And so I am coming to you pre-recorded in any case because uh, I didn't want to leave you without an episode tonight. And for stage one, episode 18 is Real Politics. I had titled this Opportunities. And uh, here's what I have to say about that. You know, when one attains a certain depth of understanding about politics and world affairs, it can have a psychological effect referred to in some <clears throat> referred to in some circles as the black pill. Uh, this is essentially a sort of depressive state in which one uh, finds uh, hope difficult to come by, as evidenced by real or imagined factors. It stands in contrast, as one might expect, to something known as the white pill, in which hopeful news is delivered and the messenger and the recipient alike may do a bit of celebrating. There is little good news to be had in the world today, and far less of this from Eastern Europe, wherein a fratricidal war fueled by Western malfeasance rages on and exacts a steep toll in blood and treasure from all involved. 
A startling reminder of how intelligence agencies have been allowed to run amok, the Ukraine conflict factors heavily into inflation in the United States and around the world, has destabilized food and other commodities markets, created dangerous shortages in U.S. arms supplies, and piggybacked onto COVID hysteria as an excuse for censorship of social media, as it was recently revealed that the FBI was passing on requests from Ukraine's SBU for social media companies to censor accounts posting disfavored information. Then there are the, you know, the pregnant Ukrainian women on the front lines and all of what might be fairly described as the more routine horrors of warfare. And so things are, you know, not going particularly well in the world. It has been, I mean, you can, there are not, there are some upsides. Of course, you know, this has been a boon to BlackRock and human traffickers who, I might add, already had a booming business in Ukraine and other nefarious types. They're doing fine, but scarcely anyone of good character can be said to have benefited from this mayhem. But in the midst of all this wreckage, one tasty little white pearl, one tasty little white pill, I should say, has emerged. At the recent Turning Point Action Conference in West Palm Beach, Florida, a poll was taken of attendees which asked if they favored continued U.S. involvement in the Ukraine-Russia conflict. A stunning 95.8% said that they do not favor this, a consensus nearly unheard of in conservative politics and exceeding even Donald Trump's 85.7% support in a poll asking who attendees favored in the upcoming Republican presidential primary. It's really substantial. Now, those numbers could not be more out of step with the donor class and the Mitch McConnell wing of the GOP, elements of our society more inclined to let Democrats wreck the country than to forfeit their own positions within the party. While Americans as a whole are more evenly divided over the Ukraine issue, a question of degree predominates in that broader spectrum of opinion. It is clearly becoming the position of the Republican primary voter base that involvement in the Ukraine conflict is against American interests and should stop entirely. Because of this, Republican presidential hopefuls like Nikki Haley and Mike Pence have signed their political death warrants by co-signing Biden's subsidy to his financial benefactors in Ukraine. At a recent event, Tucker Carlson interviewed GOP hopefuls in front of a large studio audience. Not my concern trended on Twitter as Mike Pence offered a poorly worded response to a question of his priorities. Carlson had listed a staggering illustration of how America is falling apart internally and contrasted this with Mike Pence's support for the Ukraine conflict by saying, and that's your concern? Pence responded by saying, that's not my concern, and the line was seized upon, arguably unfairly, by commentators who said Pence expressed a lack of concern for America falling apart. The traction this quickly got says something in itself. Even though Pence's words were unfairly seized upon, such as the nature of politics, fairness has very little to do with it, you might have gathered. He was, for some time, to some number, seen as caring more about Ukraine than about America. And whatever he meant to say, that was easily believed by many Americans and not without ample justification outside of his rhetorical error. There is precisely zero benefit to America meddling in Eastern Europe on behalf of the Lezelinsky regime. If there was anything for America to be doing in that region, it would be to make better relations with Russia and return to the Nixon-Kissinger strategy of playing Russia and China against one another so that they do not unite against us. 
Biden's failure to heed this wisdom has pushed these two powers into an alliance that threatens American hegemony and is destabilizing the world order with results that cannot be predicted. Republican primary voters, perhaps better than any other subset of the population, understand this. They understand also that the Bidens got rich in Ukraine through corruption and that the Democrats' Russia hoax was little more than an attempt to distract from their own malfeasance in Ukraine and the SBU's interference in American elections on their behalf. This has had the effect of exposing Republicans who prostrate themselves before Zelensky in the name of democracy and freedom as frauds and traitors and presents you and I with an avenue to power within the GOP. Be what helps a conservative faction oust these traitors from their local party leadership in your area, and you will have gained a foothold within your local party. Play your cards right from there, and in a few years, it will be you they curse when speaking about the establishment. Whether things in this world are awful or whether they are great, I've come to realize personally, is not absent a degree of choice on your part. While the libertarians have obviously discredited themselves, and this is contrary to some reporting due to the foundations of their ideology, Their focus on economics taught me something very important. Wherever there are people making dumb decisions, there are other opportunities for people to make better decisions and thereby deprive imprudent actors of resources. That's true in money, and that's true in politics. And those two things, whatever anyone else tells you, are inseparable. I'll give you another example. You know, it it shouldn't surprise me anymore. But I never cease to be amazed at how thoroughly pervasive the ideology of diversity has become. Case in point, not long ago, I had cause to search for an image of men working. This was um, subsequent to the uh, stage one, episode 16, I titled Sustained Action. Then I published the 20,000 word follow up to that. It's not a recording, it's just text at ChristopherCantwell.net, the sustained action on the path to sovereignty. And in that, I I wanted a picture of men working, okay? And it was almost impossible. I subscribed to a couple of different image licensing services. And for me to find just two white guys working on a task together, was it bordered on impossible. There was like a couple of images, but everything is so intentionally diversified, right? Everything has like... You know, it's unrealistic reflections that don't show up in your actual workplace, right? It's fake, and it's and it's and it's not just done in like the context of like these these ideologically devoted things that are obviously so. It is it has managed to make its way through everything, including these image licensing services that I use, and it's annoying. You know, whatever your views on race, it's fake. It's not an accurate reflection of reality when they do that. And that is people making bad decisions, right? It's 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 a bad idea to organize your business in this way because people are capable of noticing it, okay? I can't be the only one running into this challenge. And so I'm like, well, here's a business opportunity right here. Like somebody with an interest in the profession of photography 
should just build and offer for sale collections of images that run contrary to this nonsense. Just like white families, white men working, white women doing wifely things, white children playing on a playground with other white children. Imagine that. Oh, my God, that's terribly racist. Are you going to say that on surreal politics? I mean, white children? Oh, my God. You don't have to say anything about intent. You don't have to make it like propaganda. Just, just you know, give the business a mundane name that has nothing to do with race. Just use image descriptions like white men working or white men do white men in business suits shaking hands or you know white children playing white happy white woman cooking white couple at the altar getting married white family at dinner. I'm about certain you would have the market cornered on this, right? And you would be positioned to reap the rewards as marketers start seeing the bottom line effects of propagandizing their increasingly racially conscious white customers. Because they're forcing that on people, right? You, you have this position where, like, people have been trained that, like, it's impolite to talk about race. And there's, you know, there are actually good reasons for that. I understand there are people who, who don't view it that way, and I'm sympathetic to their arguments, but— you know, there, there are good reasons why in a multi-ethnic society, you don't want to like call attention to this, right? And because people don't want to call attention to it, they're beginning to really resent the people who do, namely the Democrats and the left-wing fanatics who tell you that like white people are responsible for all of the world's problems. And they've been saying, hey, stop it. Stop talking about this. I don't want to make our politics about this. Cut it out, cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. They've been saying this for a long time, you might have gathered. And the left just like refuses to heed that warning. You know, they don't they they can't get it through their head that this is bothering people or maybe they they get it through their head. It's not that they don't understand. Obviously, it's that they don't care that they're upsetting the people that they're upsetting because that's not the people who they want to vote for them. Right. They don't believe that those people will vote for them, which is why they're trying to replace them with immigration. Right. It's the whole entire point of the project. <clears throat> well. They miscalculated, I'd say, because I think that their their thought process in this was largely that, okay, well, these people don't want to talk about race, and so we'll just keep on talking about it, which will exclude them from the conversation, right? Well, well, like they're not going to do that forever. Like fundamentally, you there's a limit to what you can do, and I think that you know that limit has largely been found, right? Some people reach that line sooner than others. <laughs> I want by being one of them, obviously. But like your average person is really just about had it with this and they're not going to put up with it forever. And so like, you know, I, I everywhere you go, once you have the once you have the awareness of that, it becomes like staggering. You see what they're doing all the time. You ever see you ever see the Upwork commercials where it's like this this old, you, you know, you can't necessarily the his his he's he's a dead man so his you know skin color isn't obvious but you know th other factors about him make it obvious that he's a white man right the upwork commercial where like it's this old white guy and he's dead and he's like oh the old way of working is deader than me okay and he goes through this whole like thing where you know you know upwork is going to outsource all your stuff you're going to have contract employees there's not going to be any employment anymore is kind of the the theme of this thing that commercial drives me completely insane. Like, I get furious every time I say see this because they're like, oh, the, the old way of working is deader than me. It's 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 a it's not just like this particular old white guy. It's the old white guys are gone. We're getting rid of employment. We're going to outsource it to this diverse peoples. Okay. 
a, another one. Like I ever, I have a banking app, and like the every time I open up the banking app, it's you know there's <laughs> there it's a picture of diversity everywhere you go. Okay, as the white customers <laughs> start realizing this, and they get more and more irritated by it, you know. That's a that's an opportunity in the marketplace to capitalize on and just give these people what they want and and you will make more money than them. And that's not like it doesn't like solve the problem entirely. Okay. I'm not making some like libertarian economic utopian argument. Just don't accuse me of that. But it's a it's a market opportunity, is what it is. And it's it's one that didn't exist previously, you know. And so the the thing with the photography is just one example. And I've talked about this in other contexts, you know, Misesian socialism, um, economimetics and radical agenda, and m- most most recently in sustained action and sustained action on the path to sovereignty, that like, okay, like what you actually need to do is you need to go and you need to make money, okay? Like go make money, go, go see what your assets are, uh, apply them, acquire resources, use the resources to acquire more resources and use that to obtain political power is kind of the theme. And so that's one potential opportunity that I'd say exists there. And like when these people do these ridiculous things, they discredit themselves. Like I said, with Mike Pence and Nikhali. So like the Republican primary base doesn't want anything to do with this Ukraine conflict. They want nothing to do with it. They've had it with this nonsense. Why are we going to empty our military into Ukraine to benefit the people who are paying Hunter Biden. Nobody wants anything to do, nobody with any good sense wants anything to do with that. So these people are making bad decisions. They're alienating the people whose support they require. And that creates an opportunity for you to step in and, and obtain the support that they are losing, okay? But like, you have to be prudent about it, right? You, you, you can't go in there and say, you, you know, you don't want to go in there and start, you know, throwing Roman salutes and waving swastikas around when you're trying to, like, tell people, like, hey, I'm sick of these people propagandizing our extinction as well, you know, is kind of the theme. And, and you know, in the, in the last few months, you know, I've been sort of trying to find where the line is, right? And it's obvious that – it's obvious to me that things have changed a great deal in the last three years in ways that I did not fully comprehend. And I'm still getting the lay of the landscape and trying to figure out, you know, what it is. I was recently banned from Twitter. And, you know, it's it's difficult to figure out what you're allowed to do on Twitter now because Twitter will let you get away with almost anything. And then you tick off the wrong people and then they ban you, right? So I told you before that I got suspended from Twitter. They didn't even suspend my account. What they did was they were like, delete this tweet before we let you back onto Twitter. And I was like, well, no, that tweet is not a violation of your terms of service. I'm not going to acquiesce to this accusation in order to regain access to my account. Because what happened then was the Ukrainian SBU, their intelligence agency, they've got this operation, I've talked about it before, called NAFO, North Atlantic Fellows Organization, we're basically like they have a bunch of like Twitter bots that are LLMs or, you know, chat GPT large language models that that have been basically given API access on Twitter that they get to go run around and, and break the rules and they don't get in trouble for it. OK, I gave the example on Telegram. Well, this happened before, before I get to that. So this happened before that they said delete the tweet. And I said, well, I'll appeal this. Right. So, so Twitter waited for weeks and billed me for Twitter Blue. They billed me $8 a month while they sat there ignoring my appeal of this thing, and they didn't answer me. And I sent them multiple messages like, hey, respond to, you know, fix your mistake. 
And Twitter didn't do that. And eventually I just deleted the tweet and went back on because, you know, I, I'm eventually going to I was concerned about deleting the tweet because I didn't want to lose access to Twitter features like advertising. I was waiting for them to approve my monetization. But obviously I was like, obviously, they're not going to answer me. So eventually I just deleted the tweet and went back in. And so I'm back on Twitter again and I and I go and I criticize Ukraine again. And of course, as soon as I do that, these NAFO maniacs come down on me again. And they go through and they report everything I do. And I'm getting these notifications from Twitter that like, oh, you uh, you you uh, you were reported in Germany because in German law, we have to tell you. And, they, and then I started getting notices from France and they ended up holding my account. Nobody in France was allowed to view the Talk Radio God Twitter account. Now, I reported somebody on Twitter who said, give us his hands, give us his feet, give us the rope, give us a grave, give us a shovel, give us Christopher. It was a death threat. They're talking about hanging me and putting me in the ground. It was completely unambiguous, right? And I reported this. The second that I reported it, they come back and they say, oh, nothing, there's no violation of our rules here, but you can, you can appeal it. So I appeal it. Within five minutes, they come back, they say, we checked your appeal, it's not going through. Okay, so when... When NAFO reports me, you kick me off tw- the same day. When I appeal, you don't answer me for weeks. And then I delete my tweet. I come back. Within days of me being back on, these idiots are back after me again. I report them for threatening my life, which is completely unambiguous. You say that, you say in two, within two seconds of me reporting the thing, you say, oh, there's no violation. I appeal it. Within five minutes of my appeal, you say, oh, we checked into it. It's not. Okay. So these guys go back through and they just report everything I did all, all over again, right? And they keep and I get all these notifications. Oh, this was reported. We say it's not a violation, yada, yada, yada. And then other things said, oh, well, this is illegal in France. We're going to hold your account back in France. And then they come back and they say some post that I made about Ellen Page, you know, months ago uh, was was violent speech because I because I wish that uh, Magnus Hirschfeld, who's been dead for decades, I said, may your kind perish from the earth. And they say that that's violent speech. Okay, fine, whatever. Well, I appeal that. All of a sudden, they like my appeal is answered in no time. No, a violation did occur. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like, you couldn't answer me for weeks before. And now, because now you're suspending me permanently, you, you're, you're right there. You're, you're Johnny on the spot now, right? Okay. Well, it's obviously, it's obvious what's going on here. These guys are an intelligence agency and they've got API access. If you look at these accounts, they're like, they're all, they've, they've, they don't do, they don't have any of tweets of their own. All they do is comment on other people's stuff, but they have two, 3,000 followers. Why? Because they're bots and they've all been programmed to follow each other, right? And so like they come after me and I report them, they're definitely breaking the Twitter rules and they're, and, and without any latency at all, they, they shut the thing down. They shut my account out. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I appealed it. No latency at all. They rejected my appeal. So like this is a completely different, you know, phenomenon than than we're accustomed to with Twitter. And it's because Twitter is doing something very special for these for these accounts. And so, you know, these things are conspicuous to the people who run into them. Anybody who runs afoul of those NAFO lunatics is like, wait a second, this is a completely, like, this is not real. Like, this does not happen. This is not human beings, right? Anybody who runs into that, so some of you saw as it was happening, like, it's obviously an automated system. Like, it couldn't possibly be, like, they've got all, you know, anonymous accounts. 
Well, like, do you need do you need to protect your anonymity online to support Ukraine? Is that a subculture? No. <laughs> like, that's what MSNBC does. Like, Antifa doesn't hide their identity like this, and they commit felonies, in, like on on camera in daylight. Okay, they don't. They are less prudent about hiding their identities than these guys who are just echoing the uh, regime-approved narrative and harassing people on social media for having unpopular political views. So, like, they don't need to hide their identities. They're they're pretending to hide their identities because they don't have identities. They're they're fake. Okay, they're they're an AI system run by an intelligence agency. And when they break the rules of Twitter, Twitter gives them license to do that because Twitter's aware of what they're doing and they're allowing it. Now, what does that mean? It's just just something to be aware of. I'm not telling you not to use Twitter. Like, use Twitter. Like, definitely use Twitter. And by the way, go, like, comment on everything that Tucker Carlson says and say, you should talk to Christopher Cantwell about Charlottesville. That's what you should be doing on Twitter, okay? And I'm not telling you not to use it. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you to be careful using it because, like, you know, it's a valuable resource that you don't want to lose access to. And so I have to, like, rethink my social media strategy now. But, it, you know, this presents opportunities as well. Like, I was going to go spend, like, 500 bucks on Twitter ads. Like, somebody gave me – I actually, like uh, – anyway, I had some extra money, right? And I was going to go spend a bunch of money on Twitter ads. Well, you know, well, I'll go give it to Gab then. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody said to me in the um, – when I talked about this on Telegram, somebody comes back and it's like, it's a rig – you can't win a rig game. And I came, I barked at the guy kind of unfairly. I insulted him. And sir, if you're listening, I'm sorry. You know, you didn't deserve to be insulted. I already told him this in the Telegram chat, but I'm I'm going to say it here for anybody who's listening. Um, I didn't mean to insult him, but, you know, the thing that he brought up really made me mad because you hear this all of the time in our circles that people are like, oh, it's a rigged game. You know, you can't win, da, da, da. I'm like, well, what are we doing then? Like, it, like if you don't think that you can win, then like, why don't you just go get a vasectomy and do drugs all day? And like, like, what's the point of any of this effort that we're putting in? I don't care. Like, the whole point of the game is to rig the like rigging the game is the purpose of the game, right? The whole entire enterprise of politics is to obtain political power and prevent your opponent from from displacing you. That's the reason that you participate in politics. It's the whole entire point of the enterprise. So it's not a bug, it's a feature. And like, that's how it works. And when you have political power, presuming that you're, that's actually your aim, because that's mine, I don't know about you. Should you be so fortunate as to obtain political power, you better immediately use that power to prevent other people from displacing you. And that's how it works. It's actually not broken. It's fixed, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, people talk about it being a rigged game. Like, yeah, fine. It's a rigged game. Y you have to be better than the other guy and you have to be like a lot better than the other guy because the other guy has political power and you have to try really hard and you have to put in a lot of effort. And if you do that, then maybe you can obtain political power. And when you do, then you immediately get to work like trying to shut the other guy out. Like that's what the that's what the GOP has done wrong, right? They get into power and they're like, okay, now we're gonna have our constitutional order back. And and they're like, well, you know, we're gonna protect our democracy so that the Democrats can come in there when they cheat. Well, no, like, no, no. So the whole entire point of surreal politics from episode one on. 
But I'm like, no, like you cannot allow the Democrats to wreck the country in the name of constitutional government. Like you have to you have to use your power to cut them out of the game. That's what they're doing with immigration. You have to find other ways of doing that. And so, you know, the the whole entire point of the enterprise here is you you have to look for the other side to make mistakes and you advance by the errors of your rivals. Okay. That's politics. And you're fortunate because your rivals are idiots. Like they're decadent and they've had everything handed to them and they've had limitless resources for an endless period of time. And they've really had no challenges to face. And so like, they're like, oh, well, I just get to spend millions of dollars on nothing and I have to make up excuses just to justify my job. So like you're dealing with a bunch of incompetent people who are completely walled off from the people they require the support of to maintain their their control. And because they're making those mistakes, they're creating all of these opportunities for you to step in and completely upend the game. But if you're like, hey, it's a rigged game, if uh, you say, well, it's, you know, there's no point in participating in this, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take is the old cliche, right? Well, like, that, that's especially true in politics. Like, that's especially true in persuasion. And so, you know, that guy actually came around, like, I sort of started to explain this in in, in more, you know, in written detail, textual terms. And, and he came around, he was like, you're right. You know, I shouldn't let this stuff get me down. He's a good guy. You know, I, I, I feel bad that I insulted him, you know, but the, the concept is worthy of mockery. Like it's a rigged game. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you need to win the rigged game actually. Yes. That's, that's the object of the contest. They have power. You don't. You would like to change that because the people with power would very much like to see you dead. So maybe, Maybe you, you know, analyze the battlefield and try to overcome the challenges that you face. And I do not I do not diminish for one second that the challenges you face are very substantial. But it, 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 the idea that you can't win the game, well, like, you know, and just, you know, just get high and bang tinder thoughts like, you know, like, like, what do you like? What are we doing any of this for? And like, if it was fair, like, why would we even participate in politics? Right. The reason that I care about politics is because everything's screwed up. If everything was, you know, going as I thought it should, then I'd be like, whatever, I'll just do something else. What am I going to get all worked up about politics for? The reason that we care about this stuff is because it's not fair, is because it's screwed up, is because the people in power are terrible and we want to displace them. So, like, everything's going according to plan. I, I mean, like, maybe not according to plan, but everything is working exactly as you would expect it to work a- according to the worldview that you purport to subscribe to. And so you can get bent out of shape about that. And, like, to the extent that being mad about it gives you some motivation, great. Like, yeah, pursue that, of course. But then, like, y- use it for productive endeavors. You know what I mean? Go and what do you need? Like, you're like, oh, well, I can't compete with the money of these like rich people who give, you know, 700, th- you know, what's his name? Reed Hastings, the LinkedIn guy. I got this story up here on my news tab. So like this guy who actually financed the Charlottesville lawsuit, by the way, and financed the lawsuit against Donald Trump. The guy, Reed Hastings, the guy from LinkedIn, who was like apparently a friend of Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> You know, he he just donated 
nearly $700,000 to the Biden victory war chest. And he's also donating to like PACs associated with this. So, okay, fine. Like you can't, like, I don't, I, if I'm pretty sure that you don't have $700,000 to throw at a political candidate and, and fine. What can you do that, that is not, what is it within your capacity to do? And like, that's going to be a different answer for everybody, obviously, but you do need money to like move around. Okay. Like I don't expect that I'm going to make $700,000 in a year, you know, much less that I'm going to have $700,000 to give somebody else. <laughs> but like, you know, for, in my position, I don't think it's an unreasonable goal for me. Just, just using myself as an example, this is not, but it's not ex using myself as an example is just to illustrate the point. Okay. The, the, the point I'm making is not specific to what I'm talking about. I don't think it's an unreasonable goal for me to get a thousand people to pay me ten dollars a month for paywall access to a, a media company. Okay, that's a, that's an achievable goal for me, right? Or get or get a hundred people to give me a hundred bucks. You know, some comp somewhere between those two things. Like I have you know ten thousand dollars a month, and I don't need ten thousand dollars a month. Okay, at ten thousand dollars a month, I have plenty of I, I have plenty of money. And I'm hiring somebody else. And on top of hiring somebody else, I have money to spend on advertisements and subcontractors and software licenses and equipment and stuff. Like that's my like that's my achievable goal. And with that achievable goal met, then I be then I'm expanding my power outward from there. Okay. So like long before I reach <laughs> long before I reach ten thousand dollars a month in revenues, like I go and I achieve you know, whenever I achieve whenever I have a little bit of buffer, like I go out and I invest the money in something that can make me more capable of doing the job, increases my power, okay? And so this is what I'm getting at here with sustained action on the path to sovereignty, what I was getting at with this thing about the photography thing. And in what I just posted, which is um, what I called it was apprenticeship opportunities, it's Real Politics Media LLC. And what I had to say about that was this. Um, slash, uh, what did I, what did I say? Oh, learn to earn. Oh, no, not L2O. L2E, L-T-E. Surrealpolitics.com slash L-T-E will get you to this page, okay? I'll, I'll link it more saliently on the front page of the website pretty soon. Here at Surreal Politics, our fondness for coherent economics, no less than our want of gain, inspires us to consider at all times what opportunities for economic cooperation might be presented by whatever circumstances we may be met with. In the course of this contemplation, we came across a problem in need of solving. We have big, ambitious plans for this project. Those plans are well underway in many respects, but they have created something of a skilled labor shortage. We do not yet have the resources to cover this gap, and while we expect this to change as the projects progress, the gap is obstructing said progress. This is by no means an insignificant challenge, and we have done a good deal of thinking about this. In so doing, we came back to the old, the age-old practice of apprenticeship. A tradesman offers to teach his student a craft in exchange for the assistance of the learner. Too often overlooked today, as our society has come to view higher education as the singular path to upward mobility, apprenticeship was long the best opportunity for an individual to make their way in the world. 
For some years now, this has fallen out of favor in the popular consciousness, but as academia discredits itself with foolish political delusions, we think the time is ripe to bring back this time-honored tradition. So, especially, though not exclusively, for those young people out there who would like to learn, or parents with adolescent children who would like their kids to learn some very marketable skills, we would like to begin screening candidates for unpaid learn-to-earn opportunities with Surreal Politiques Media, LLC. And what I have done below that is make a very long list of skills that you stand to learn by uh, helping out this enterprise. Now, this is, I'm not doing this just to advertise, okay? This is not just me trying to, like, get free labor out of people. It's an example of what I'm talking about. It is, you have a challenge, and rather than be like, oh, I met with a challenge, and that means that I can't succeed, like, like what what do you have to do to overcome the challenge? What is, that's the question that you need to answer, whether it's in politics or whether it's in business or whether it's in your love life. Everything in your life is like that. And, you know, again, not picking on this individual guy, but I got mad at him when he said, you can't win a rigged game. Well, you better learn to win a rigged game. Like, that's the whole entire point of life, you know? The default setting in life is you, you're dead, right? Like, as a matter of fact, like, you, you think about it in those terms. You know, the defaults, you do nothing in life, you're dead, okay? The way that you win in life is to overcome the challenges to your existence. And so, like, you know, that is the same thing for everything else. The world is not designed for you to live and be happy. The world is designed to kill you, and you, thanks to, you know, good breeding and... <laughs> all of the other things that have happened over the many generations prior to your existence, find yourself capable of survival when almost every creature before you has died and like become extinct. And through a rather unique set of circumstances, you're here. And that's not the default setting. The default setting is all of those other animals that are dead and that did not leave progeny. They are the majority of creatures who have ever lived. You are a very distinct minority just for the fact that you're alive. And so you have to win a rigged game. You've been winning a rigged game for generations. The world is designed to destroy you. And the fact that you're here means that people prior to you adapted to those circumstances. That's a rigged game. Your ancestors won that rigged game. You are here as a consequence. So... Whatever the nature of the contest may be, like your task is to overcome the challenges involved in that contest. And the fact that your opponents are more powerful than you is actually just, that's actually the default circumstance. That, that's not unusual. There's nothing weird about that. That's not an unnatural circumstance at all. That's the most natural thing that could possibly be. And you can change that. There's There are things that you can do. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to tell you all of them, but like, you know, one of the things I was looking at today, I recently sent to somebody, um, we've talked here before about Robert Cialdini and Scott Adams, and I also even went so far as to talk about like Cass Sunstein and Richard Thaler in their book, Nudge, okay? Like, you know, the science of influence. One of the other things that I've done some, you know, reading and looking at is more broadly like success in general. I don't want to call that a science because that's, it's too broad a category to call a specific scientific endeavor, okay? 
But like um, Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy are names that come to mind about this. And Brian Tracy has some great audiobooks. No Excuses is one of them that, that like I've listened to and I've given this to other people. And I, and I wasn't that wasn't even part of the bit. I just came up with this. It's not that I'm so I'm associating it with this right now as I come across it. This is wasn't part of the plan actually. But this book, this audiobook, I've sent to other people where he's like, no excuses. The, the I forget the rest of the title, but the science of whatever. And like he goes into like, okay, here's how you succeed at life and business and like in your job and get what you want. And he does. He's got these things for money. He's got these things for marriage. He's got these things for whatever. Now, whether or not you can take all of that stuff whole and apply it directly to your life, you know, pro- there's probably some reason to doubt that that's the case. But, you know, if you're looking at the world and you're saying, well, you know, there are obstacles I can't overcome. Well, you know, step one is to say, well, as a matter of fact, I can. I just have to figure out how to do it. And if you can do that, then, you know, then there will be there will be uh, better opportunities to come. OK, and so. I'm just going to leave the suggestion. Check out Brian Tracy and Tony Robbins. Who's the other guy? Who's the Maxwell guy? 25, what's, I think it's John Maxwell. Yeah, John Maxwell has a book. Uh, it, well, yeah, that's what it, I was thinking of. 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership is the book that I had in mind. But like, John Maxwell has a bunch of these like leadership and success books. Tony Robbins does these, you know, these these seminars. Brian Tracy has these audiobooks. Look into those three names. Um, if you know how to use torrents, they're easy to come across at no cost. Uh, I'm not speaking of, I don't know anything about intellectual property licensing. Why would I know about that? You know, you want to make sure that you do everything legally, obviously. But if you're looking at the world and you're saying to yourself, oh, you know, there are obstacles that I can't overcome. Well, you know, the, the first step to overcoming them is being like, well, yeah, I can. And I need to figure out how I'm going to do that. And the, the first answer to that question is your your opponents are actually not so great at what they do. They're, they're actually, they're, they have become spoiled and decadent and incompetent as a consequence of the, the privileges that they have enjoyed. And now they're making mistakes that allow you to advance at their expense. And so- Keeping an eye on politics, like people say, oh, like, you know, like, don't watch Fox News, don't listen to conservative talk radio, just listen to, you know, right, you know, far right podcasts. No, like, you need to know what these people are doing. So when they mess up, you can capitalize on it. And like, I've actually done, I've made this mistake myself. You know, after they fired Tucker Carlson from Fox News, like, I just like stopped watching, like... (laughs) You know, my thing was like, I'd I'd watch Tucker Carlson, I'd leave the TV muted a lot of the time otherwise. But I'd watch Tucker Carlson and then like, you know, then the TV's on and then I wake up and Fox and Friends is on. I catch some Fox and Friends. I have, but like without, without to go to Tucker, I'll leave the TV off. I'll do other things. And now I'm like, well, what's going on? I, I, you know, I try to read some revolver or whatever. But anyway, you know, get the idea that like, if you're not plugged in, then you're not going to know when these people screw up and then you're not going to, you know, have any idea how to defeat them. And so- that's kind of the idea. And so those are some of the opportunities that I wanted to present to you. And I describe them as a white pill because I, I think you need one. Some of you do. I, you know, some of you are hopeful and great. You know, I, I hope that I hope that you become the majority. 
But I, I see like a lot of people like down and be like, oh my God, you know, everything's screwed, whatever the, whatever the circumstance may be. People think that like there's no hope. And I'm like, well, you know, we better fix that because if people think there's not going to go hope, they're going to be like mass shooters and terrorists and stuff. And, you know, I don't want that to happen because, you know, because the people who would go out and, you know, do that are probably like the best people, right? It's not even... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not without concern about the innocent victims. I should hope it would go without saying, but like, you know, somebody who's going to go and like end their life because they believe in a cause, you know, it's a lot better that you live for something than that you die for something. Okay. Like if you're going to go, you know, you think about this guy, Robert Bowers, you know, I don't know what that guy was capable of if he didn't throw his life away, killing senior citizens in a synagogue and making himself a really unsympathetic character. But like, you know, this guy was basically, you know, he made a comment about optics, which in that political circle was like a subject of some debate at the time. And he's like, well, you know, screw your optics. I'm going in. And he's like, I'm going to go, you know, the guy throws his life away and now he's, he's going to get the death penalty. Right. And, you know, you go run around killing innocent people. I'm actually not, you know, I don't think that that's actually like the worst thing in the world to kill you. That seems like an appropriate thing to do. But, you know, that guy cared about things that were important, let's say. And now he's going to die in prison. And and what, what did he actually accomplish? Well, actually not a whole lot. Now, just imagine if that guy, imagine if all that guy did was go work at some mundane job and give me $100 a month, okay? Now, I know that that sounds self-serving, okay? But let it be somebody else then. But like, if that guy gave me $100 a month, he would accomplish more than he would by dying in prison after killing a, a few senior citizens. Like, I don't think that that's a subject of very serious dispute. And you could just say it about anybody. If he gave $100 a month to Donald Trump, okay? <laughs> like, if he gave $100 a month to TRS, if he gave $100 a month to Nick Fuentes, okay? Pick your guy. If people are left with, like, a sense of hopelessness, like, we can't overcome this and... <laughs> You know, that's what they're going to do, right? Like that, like whole, like, you know, you know, I'm not picking on the guy, black pill, Devon Stack, whatever, right? And it's not my goal. I haven't listened to his stuff enough to know. But like, I remember another media venture back, you know, prior to 2020 that like they had a thing they called black pill therapy that they thought like just people needed to lose hope so that they, that their goal was to create terrorists out of people. Okay. That's bad. But that's really, really bad. And I went over this in sustained action on the path to sovereignty. Like, this actually requires some intentional behavior on the part of media figures. It's like, you have to tell these people that there's hope for the future. And, like, if they don't believe that, then then really bad things are going to happen. And those that's not actually not going to help your cause, okay? If you believe that there are obstacles that you can't overcome, your first step is to say, I don't think that way, right? Like, I don't think about <clears throat> if there are obstacles that you can't overcome, you know, if there's a brick wall in front of you, like you can't walk through the brick wall, but like, okay, now you need to figure out how far down the road you have to get go to get around the brick wall, whatever it is. <clears throat> if there are things in your way, you figure out how to get around them or to crush them and you keep going forward because way too much is at stake. Like you do not have the option of like not solving this problem, okay? You have obligations as a consequence of who you are and and the time into which you are born. And whether you believe in God or or whether you just think that, 
whatever it is that you find meaning in, like you're here and your life has meaning and your life has purpose. And if you throw it away or you don't use it to good effect, then like you're actually, you call it sin, okay? You're, you're doing something very wrong. If there are obstacles in your path, you figure out how to navigate those obstacles and you go on and you solve this problem because there is way too much at stake for you to not do that. And if you take your cause seriously at all, then that should be obvious to you. And it's obvious to me. And I'm going to make these little efforts to, you know, point out the opportunities that present to us from time to time. And other times we're just going to have a lot of fun because, you know, I like fun. You might have gathered. I like to have a good time myself. And so I'll be back uh, Wednesday for the uh, for the video chat with you with you members. Be back Friday for the Uncensored production. Sorry I didn't get to take your calls tonight, but I hope that I was able to provide you with um, a little bit of inspiration, maybe some information. Thrillpolitics.com slash LTE will tell you all about the Learn to Earn opportunities with Surreal Politics Media, LLC. Surrealpolitics.com slash join. You can become a member. All that stuff. Just come on. You got options, kids. I'll see you soon.